We are in a sermon series on uh, Jesus's Beatitudes, and today we come to the second Beatitude found in Matthew 5, 4. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The word of the Lord. Thanks to God. The shortest verse in the Bible. Do you know what it is? Yep, all of you memorized that one. It's in John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He was weeping in that instance over the death of his very good friend Lazarus. Apparently, Jesus, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they were brothers and sisters, were best friends. They were probably all the same age, somewhere in their 30s. So this is a young man, Lazarus, who died and um, a good friend of Jesus. But have you ever stopped to wonder why Jesus would be crying over someone's death? If you are the son of God, and if you know all about heaven, then why are you crying? I mean, isn't he in a better place? And don't you know that all things are going to work out for the good? But Jesus did weep, and the Bible catches him doing it, and thank God he did. This Jesus is fully God and fully human. Now, I I don't exactly know how that works. It's an odd nature to be fully God and at the same time fully human, because to be fully God means you know all things. To be fully human means you don't. So you never know which part of Jesus you're getting in the Gospels. Is this the human Jesus or the divine Jesus? Do they interface each other all the time when he's praying? Is he talking to himself? Do you ever think this way? No, I'm the only one. (laughs) But this piece of Jesus... Whether it was his divine nature or his human nature, feels something deeply. The loss of someone he loves. And Jesus weeps. We're the only religion I know of who has an incarnated God, meaning a God who shows up in human flesh, incarnation. A God who shows up in human flesh and cries. This is not something others see God as doing. And yet we have God in Christ who weeps. We see him weep only one other time in the Bible. And it was during the week that he was crucified. Now, he didn't weep when they were flogging him, nor did he weep on the cross when they crucified him. He wept early in that week when he entered the city of Jerusalem. It was a different kind of grief, a different kind of mourning, like one mourns over racism or injustice or violence that has happened to someone innocent. 
something of great value has been lost. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem before he enters the city. And why Jerusalem? It's the holy city of God. It is a symbol of what God promised to Israel way back to Abraham and Sarah. So when God said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, I will make of you a great nation. Jerusalem becomes the city of God, the city of David, King David, when that symbolizes Israel becoming all that God had promised it would be. The promises to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 12, 1 and 2 have been fulfilled. And Jerusalem is the symbol of that fulfillment. So when Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, it's not just some city. It's the city of God, the city of the covenant. And here's what he says. If you, talking about Israel, even you, he said, had only recognized on this day the things that made for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. That's what he's grieving. You missed it. You missed me, the Christ. You missed who I am You're lost, Israel. After all we've been through together, all the history in the Old Testament, after all we've been through in the covenant with Abraham and Sarah, and all the way through your slavery and your freedom in the wilderness and and the delivery to the promised land and all the battles and all the judges and all of that, the exile, the return. And now here you are lost again. It's a kind of spiritual death, isn't it? And it occurs in people you know and you love. It also occurs in nations. It occurs in the world as a whole in which people live unaware of God's presence, unaware of, quote, the times of visitation from God. Jesus is weeping. Not over the death of an individual, but of the lostness of a nation. I have a theory, and it is that it is possible for us, for you and me, to feel the mourning of God. It's possible for you to feel things that break God's heart. It's an overwhelming kind of grief. It's bigger than my grief. It's more than my personal loss. It feels like it's a kind of grief that belongs to Jesus, frankly. Things that make Christ weep. Catherine and I recently went uh, to see the movie Hidden Figures. Have you seen it? I, I recommend it. 
is based on the true story of three African-American female mathematicians who worked in the 1950s and early 60s at Langley Research Center right here in Hampton. They called them human computers because it was the days before uh, we were big into computers. And they created computations that enabled John Glenn to first orbit the Earth and re-enter exactly at the right time and space. The work of these three women and others later facilitated the first landing on the moon. Now, these women were brilliant, to say the least. Their names should never be forgotten. Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, and Katherine Johnson. Now, the Commonwealth of Virginia was segregated during the time that they were working at Langley. So there were water fountains for coloreds and for whites. I remember those signs, not at Langley, but in my lifetime. And many of you here today remember them too. There were separate bathrooms for whites and coloreds. There were separate schools. There were separate eating areas, seating areas, and sections even in the library of all things. Now, there's a scene in the movie when Katherine Johnson had to leave the building she was working in and walk, or most of the time she ran in heels, for nearly a half a mile. Now, that's a long ways. But it wouldn't matter to me if it was next door. She ran a half a mile just to use the bathroom, the colored bathroom. She did that every single day while she was computing the landing of John Glenn at the right time at the right space. She had to do that in the rain, she did it in the cold, she did it in the heat, as if she was dirty or somehow less than human. And then one day she comes back soaking wet and is chastised by her white male superior for being gone too long. And Catherine, not my Catherine, but that Catherine, explodes as well she should have. The injustice of all that was overwhelming. Now, I wept during that scene, and guys aren't supposed to cry at movies, so I act like I had something in my eye. But those tears didn't feel like they were just mine. Felt more like the mourning of Jesus. The grieving of Christ. For something of great value had been lost. The dignity and respect for all human life. <sighs> How did we get there? I got to finish this, so wait a second. How did we ever 
get there in my country, in your country. And not only were we there, I wish it were a part of our past so we could say, yes, that's over and it's done, but it's not. It's a part of our present, which makes it even worse. The church has a word for those who grieve. Blessed are those who mourn, said Jesus. For they will be comforted. But whatever that comfort means, it cannot mean that the loss didn't matter. It can't minimize the pain of what was gone, lost. It can't sugarcoat it or act as if it had no value or that it was painful because the loss matters. So whatever comfort in the Bible means, it does not mean glossing over. Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus and he wept at the loss of Israel. It mattered. When you love something and you lose it, it matters. I had a 90-year-old friend, 90, I said, not nine, a 90-year-old friend who came to my office once. And his wife of 60-some years had died. And Harry said to me, Steve, it's been two years since Peg died, and I'm still crying. Am I ever going to get over this? And to his surprise, I said, Harry, no, you're not ever going to get over Peggy's death. Because you loved her. But if you want to stop grieving, if that's what you came in here for, if you want to stop grieving, just stop loving. That's all you have to do. He said, you know, I can't do that. You were supposed to say something smarter than that. I said, well, it's true, Harry. Grief is the price you pay for love. Jesus, see, weeps over Jerusalem because he loved Israel. Like a mother. Or a father weeping over a a lost son or daughter. All that potential. All those dreams and hopes for that kid. Lost. And you've got to feel that pain. Because entering the grief is the means to the comfort. Let me say that. Entering into the grief is the means to the comfort because the mourning, the grief, validates the value of that which was lost. It's got to hurt. That's why when we say stupid things to each other when we're grieving, they're stupid things. There are no words to cure grief 
It's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be awful to go through the grocery store shopping for one person when you used to shop for two and five, and now it's just you. There's nothing good about that. It hurts because the the grief is the price you pay. Jesus weeps. And I find comfort in that. I do. I'm happy he wept because it mattered. Lazarus mattered. Jerusalem mattered. Racism matters. It's things we've lost that matter. The blessing, if there's a blessing in here, and and note this. Jesus makes the second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn. Not the last one. It's not number eight. It's number two. I think that's intentional because mourning is such a part of human life. As great as this life is, it's a series of losses also. From baby teeth to the grave. It is such a big human deal that he sticks it right at number two. What breaks God's heart breaks our heart. And what breaks our heart breaks God's heart. The blessing is that there is more to life than the brokenness. How the comfort comes or when it comes is beyond our control in many ways. But trusting that it will come is our hope. Blessed are those who mourn. He said it. For they will be, future tense, will be comforted. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.